we've talked so much about Omicron and, and the effect that it's going to have. And one of the big concerns, and we're seeing it, you know, you name the industry. We've talked to a number of people uh, on the air in the past uh, couple of weeks or whatever. Just so many people out sick and the impact that that has. Last week, we had a chat with Bob Lowe of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and talking about, you know, the problems that they've faced. And he said one of the big ones they faced because of the pandemic was, if you remember when the packing plants closed down because so many people were sick and the crunch that that caused. Well, guess what? That's happening again. There's another COVID-19 outbreak at the Cargill meat processing facility near High River. Uh, Right now, it's about 40 or 50 confirmed cases. That's according to the union that represents workers there. Uh, In December, they voted 71% in support of a new contract, which uh, averted a strike, which would have been purely chaotic. Um, And health and safety issues were one of the big points in their discussion because, as we said, back in 2020, they were shut down for two weeks when hundreds of workers uh, tested positive for COVID. And uh, we were all hoping we'd avoid that situation, but it looks like we may be headed there again. Now, in, as a matter of fact, right across the board when it comes to food production in this country, this is a concern, and we're already seeing some of the implications of Omicron and staffing issues. So to get some insight onto what's going on, we're going to chat now with Mary Robinson, who's president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. Mary, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for the call, Shay. Happy to join you. So yeah, I mean, Cargill, I know that affects uh, beef producers in Alberta, and they'll be keeping a close eye on that, but it's so much farther widespread than that, right? I mean, some of the stories I've been reading, you talk about chicken producers, you talk about mushroom growers, doesn't matter, all aspects are being affected, right? Absolutely, and you know, even before COVID hit us, and, and now Omicron, uh, workforce needs were an issue in agriculture. We've seen chronic agricultural labor shortages from for a while now, and it's definitely been on our radar. So when we take a look at what's going on, and we'll get to those issues in just a moment, but first, the acute phase that we're in right now where we see Omicron and what it's doing, um, are you hearing reports from around the country about this is what's happening in this sector or that sector? Yeah, we're definitely hearing uh, reports from different producers. And, and you know, the, the important thing about our food supply chain is it is a chain. And we saw that, you know, initially when COVID hit, the shortages that we experienced. And I know one thing that uh, beyond just the producer's side that's a big concern is this uh, trucker situation yeah. and that looming deadline of the 15th of January and what that's going to do. Yeah, we're actually working on getting a guest about that uh, this week. We were just talking about it. Yeah, um, if you haven't heard, all truckers planning to cross into Canada from across the United States border as of this Saturday will have to be vaccinated. And there's a lot of people very concerned that it's going to take the supply chain that's already stretched to the limit and stretch it even a little bit further. Um, And that's just the kind of, it seems like, like you said, we're, we're dealing with a really chronically tense situation or maxed out situation and we just keep adding additional stressors on top mary and at some point it just can't happen anymore right well yeah you'd wonder but i know uh i I can proudly say in agriculture when it seems like the impossible is in front of us we we do usually seem to get through it and i think uh, as far as the world goes canadians are pretty fortunate that i don't think canadians are going to go hungry anytime soon but I think it does create a lot of uncertainty uh, for consumers in regard to food prices. But yep. uh, from from where I sit, the bigger concern is the uncertainty it creates for producers. I know here I'm in Prince Edward Island, and we're, we're facing obviously an issue with the the U.S. and trade of potatoes. And 
you know, come the middle of February, if we don't have resolution to that, it's going to be a huge impact potentially on the acres that get planted here, which in turn is going to have a, a devastating impact on our provincial economy. Um, when you talk about how it's exacerbating a, a chronic situation that's been bad for a long time, tell us about that. What's going on? Is it is it pandemic related or does it go even before the pandemic, back more than two years? Oh, yeah, definitely more than two years. Like a, the Canadian Ag HR Council, which I, I used to be part of, um, they have some uh, startling data. They've been collecting data for a while. And I think in uh, 2014, the number was that Canadian farmers, just farmers, not the value add and all the spin-offs that we see from Canadian agriculture, but farmers alone in 2014 lost $1.5 billion in sales because we couldn't find people to do the work. In 2020, we know COVID just made that worse. And uh, the chronic labor shortage resulted in $2.9 billion in lost revenue. And that's that's over just over 4% of our sector's total sales, which is, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely it is. You know, what I was thinking about getting ready to do the interview, and I was thinking, you know, in a lot of these instances, Mary, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, you know, we see industries like we see, um, you know, restaurants or stores, retail stores or whatever saying, you know what, we're just going to close one day a week or we're not going to open or we're going to close early or whatever the case may be because we don't have the staff. And, and I was thinking, well, if, if you're running um, an agricultural uh, operation, you don't have that option. I mean, the cows don't care how many staff are there. They're going to continue to need to be fed or, you know, same thing with chickens. I mean, life goes on, right? You can't just say, well, we'll just take a day off because we don't have the staff. Yeah, and, and if you think about some of the different commodities that we have in Canada, because it is a vast industry with a lot of regional nuances too, but you have a look, if you're if you're a, a grain farmer trying to get product to, to vessel in the West Coast while well, you're having some issues with, uh, you know, potentially shortages of trains maybe caused as a result of COVID. Uh, when you look at, uh, if you're a greenhouse grower, if you can't get your workers into Canada because of COVID regulations, and that means that you're maybe not going to be able to, you know, plant that crop that you're looking to plant next week. So it doesn't matter if you're livestock, crop, mm-hmm. um, all of these uh, people face different challenges. I mean, we all rely on people there helping us to do the work. So what's the remedy here, Mary? Is there one? Is there a way to sort of make this better in the short term <laughs> and the long term? I remember one of the women from CARC saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and, and uh, last fall, we were pretty excited to be able to announce we're part of a, a group that's uh, been tasked with developing a national workforce strategy for agriculture and food and beverage manufacturing in Canada. And I know some people roll their eyes, oh, great, another strategy. But, you know, what else do we do? Bury our heads in the sand. So this this strategy is going to go for a couple of years, this project. And uh, at the end of it, you know, the, the goal is to uh, build resilience in our food supply chain and to develop, you know, actionable items and tools that will help us address the chronic shortages. Because, uh, you know, if you look back at Barton and as well to Murad Al-Khatib's table, they identified agriculture as one of our country's biggest untapped opportunities. You know, we've got such amazing resources here. And if we could really grab that brass ring, it would mean a lot. We, we contributed $142 billion in GDP alone in, wow. in 2018. So this is a big industry. And if we could properly 
um, give our producers the confidence that they're going to have the workforce to make the investments and push forward. It's pretty exciting to think what we could do. Yeah, no kidding. And in the meantime, just uh, white knuckle it. And I guess the bottom line, Mary, is always be prepared to pay more. That's what it comes down to, right? Costs go up ultimately. Yeah, and uh, I think we also in agriculture have a lot of concerns about you know what's going to happen with uh, with carbon tax and how that's mm-hmm. going to be passed on to us because you know Shay. Uh, producers are, are price takers. We have very little opportunity to change the price we're paid. So if we get loaded a whole bunch of costs, then it's, it's well, and if you were to look at a pie chart of how much, uh, where the money goes for that uh, bag of potatoes or apples you bought at the grocery store, and you look at the percentage the producer gets, the shockingly small percentage. Uh, so when we talk about uh, increases in, in food costs, it's important to be mindful of the entire supply chain and to realize that farmers maybe aren't getting paid more, but certainly are seeing increased costs. Yep. And I encourage everybody to really take some time to think about that because it's the foundation of that food that we all rely on. Uh, great point. Hey, last one, a, a text from a listener saying, hey, where do you find a listing of farm jobs and what kind of living accommodations and wages can be expected? Good question. I was reading one story, like 40% of the jobs available in the, in the mushroom growing industry are open right now. Where would you find listings for jobs in, in agriculture? Well, I, depending on where you are, uh, if you're in downtown Calgary, it's probably a little bit more yeah, challenging yeah. than if you're in rural Alberta. <laughs> Um, and uh, I know the Canadian Ag Human Resource Council is a wonderful resource. If you have a look at it online, they've got some toolkits in there to help people connect with employers and employees. And always, you know, there's the job bank, and there's just reaching out. I mean, if you if you know a farm in within your driving reach, reach out to them and yeah. say, hey, I'm looking for work. What do you have? Because I know on our farm, if we had more people showing up like that, it would be really encouraging. Excellent. Okay. Mary, thank you so much for your time today. Great information. Thanks, Shay. And just a weather report from Prince Edward Island. I heard you looking for it from Alberta. It's currently about minus 7. Blue sky, nice sunny day here. We just came through a nor'easter snowstorm. It's going to be minus 18 tonight, which is a different cold because it's a damper cold here than what you folks have. That damp cold. (laughs) Hey, how bad was the snow? I know in Boston they were looking at a foot. You're not far from there. What did you guys get? Oh, we had about 40 centimeters, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, and we had uh, winds over 100 clicks, so that snow found every little crack and crevice it could. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Well, a nicer day today. Mary, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Mary Robinson, who is with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture.